If you would turn in your Bible to the book of Exodus, chapter 20, Exodus chapter 20, we'll be looking at verse 7 in just a moment. I will say, as was already mentioned, happy Father's Day. It is uh, a good, good day to be able to celebrate. Uh, I'm thankful for my dad and the gift he is to me, and, uh, but more importantly, no matter Uh, what your relationship with your earthly father is, we can certainly be thankful for our heavenly father who is perfect in all his ways and loves us unconditionally, loves us as only he can. Um, I was thinking specifically in my first meeting with the staff here at Colonial Heights uh, about five years ago, they asked me what I wanted to be called. Like, what do you want to go by? I I simply told them my name was sufficient, right, Chad? Uh, But uh, funny funny enough, uh, the sheet of paper that was given out to the church that was uh, talking about me, explaining who I was uh, to the church, kind of an information sheet, it said in big letters, Dr. Chad T. Hunsberger, just in case you needed to know my middle initial. So the team wanted to know, the, the staff team really wanted to know if I expected the church to call me Dr. Chad T. Hunsberger or Reverend Hunsberger or what that might have been. Uh, we we kind of laughed about all those choices. Uh, but our children's minister at the time, Barbara Brown, uh, asked me more specifically, what are the kids supposed to call you? Uh, I don't think they're going to call you Chad T., uh, so we settled on Pastor Chad. Uh, however, if you look outside my office, you will see a sign that still says, Reverend Dr. Pastor Chad T. <laughs> I have several titles, I guess, but just one name, right? Chad. Other titles I hold include son to Ken and Cherie, Brother to Christopher and Alicia, husband to Gloria, and dad or daddy, if they're trying to be a little sassy, father to Abigail, Luke, Lottie, and Zeke. So I'm especially glad on a day like today to be able to carry that title and the responsibilities of fatherhood. In fact, I was thinking someone mentioned earlier, man, it wouldn't have been great if commandment five had fallen on today, this honor your father and mother. It didn't fall on that, and I didn't want to rearrange the commandments. They were in order for a purpose. Uh, But it led me to think more about our commandment actually for today. See, as we study this text, I want to consider both the name and title and character of the Lord. So so listen listen to the command, the word from the Ten Commandments. Verse 7, you shall not take the name of the Lord your God in vain, for the Lord will not hold him guiltless who takes his name in vain. Now, we, we have some words to understand in this text. It, it, it's important for us to know when it says name of the Lord, it's not just speaking of his particular name, right? 
as we've talked about already, the name Yahweh, the, his personal name. It's not just speaking of his name. It's speaking of the character of the Lord. Think about it. Think how many times we hear that phrase throughout scripture. We hear the phrase, name of the Lord. We pray according to the name of the Lord or in Jesus' name. All right, this is, this is normal. In fact, First Peter, humble yourself, therefore under the mighty hand of God, so that at the proper time, time he may exalt you, casting all your anxieties or casting all your cares on him. Why? Because he cares for you. You see, when we pray to the Lord and we pray in his name, we're praying according to his character. His character is so worthy, so good, so caring to us that we can call out to him, calling on his name because you know who he is. We call on somebody else, it's not very fruitful. In fact, that's what the last two commandments have been about. Don't call on another God. Don't call on a false God. Don't call on an idol. They don't do anything for you. They're not real. Call on the one who really is God. We take shelter in his name because we know he will protect, right? I think of Psalm 91, he who dwells in the shelter of the most high, who in the shadow of the almighty, the one that we call refuge and fortress. The one, why? Because we can trust him. In fact, we even just saw this. We were baptized in his name. In the name of the Father, in the name of the Son, in the name of the Holy Spirit. Right? This, this is told, this is, uh, we don't just do that. Um, like these guys, they didn't just come up with that on their own right? This is a biblical expectation. In fact, it's part of the great commission. All authority, Jesus says, in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations and baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. This is the expectation then. So when baptisms happen, not just the ones today, all of them, we baptize in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Right? That's, that's part of us. What we're doing in that is we are glorifying, giving praise to the name, the character of God, the name of the Lord. So when you shall not take the name of the Lord your God in vain, you shall not take the character of God in vain. Vain means, it's another word we should understand, like, emptiness or nothingness, right? You th I think of uh, Ecclesiastes. It starts out, all is vanity, all is nothingness. Oh, like If you look around the world, there's nothing, nothing, nothing. So when we take the name of the Lord in vain, we are characterizing the Lord as empty. We are characterizing the Lord as nothing. Now, that sounds a lot heavier than just don't cuss using his name, doesn't it? You see, if you're like me, then growing up as I was trying to uh, memorize or learn these commandments, 
these, these become, when you just look at them at surface level, they become a lot more like a box you can check. A whole lot easier to just say, okay, well, I haven't cussed using God's name, so check that box. And I don't know if you've noticed this, but that, that's kind of the, the habit we might have as we go through each of these commandments. At surface level, we might look and say, okay, I, I don't carve idols, so I guess I'm okay. I don't make graven images and set them on the dash of my car or put them in the kitchen or in the, on the windowsill of my house. I don't, I don't set up idols, shrines for me to worship, so I'm okay. And, and when I get to this one, I say, oh, I, I, don't, I don't say that word. In fact, Chad, you'd be so proud. I don't even watch movies that say that in there, right? But this is more than that. In fact, it's so much more significant than that. Than that. makes a lot more sense that it would be in the big 10 if it's more than just don't say a word. See, when we take the Lord's name in vain, it is a defamation of his character. We are defaming him. And, and this is what he speaks of in Isaiah 48. The Lord says, for my name's sake, I defer my anger. For the sake of my praise, I restrain it for you that I may not cut you off. Behold, I have refined you, but not as silver. I have tried you in the furnace of affliction for my own sake. For my own sake, I do it. For how should my name be profaned? My glory, I will not give to another. The Lord is, is making it clear that our aim as well as his aim is for his name to be made known. His name to not be profaned. His name to not be spoken against. His name to, to not be spoken poorly about. So what I want to do is keep in mind this idea of speech, right? We have certainly uh, had the thought that it was just about speaking the, the Lord's name in vanity, in a, in a cuss word type way. But now that we see that it's so much more than that, I want us to consider six different types of speech addressed throughout scripture that will give us a clearer picture of what this command is expecting of us, Okay. Okay, thank you. Ah, Y'all got to stay with me a little bit better than that, okay? Here we go. So the first, the first type of speech is inconsistent speech. Inconsistent speech. This is the kind where uh, you, you need to say, I swear, or I cross my heart, hope to die, stick a needle in my eye, or pinky swear, you know that one? Th those, those kinds of, of promises that are, are needed. Here's, here's what the, uh, the Sermon on the Mount says. You have heard that it was said of old, you shall not swear falsely, but shall perform to the Lord what you have sworn. But I say to you, this is Jesus, but I say to you, do not take an oath at all either by heaven or for its throne of God or by the earth for it's, it's his footstool or by Jerusalem for it is the city of the great king. Do not take an oath by your head for you cannot make one hair white or black. Let 
what you say be simply yes or no. Anything more than this comes from evil. I find this very interesting that the possibility of like why, why saying I promise or a pinky swear even matters at all. Why do we just have to say yes or no? Do you know why people have to say, no, 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 seriously? Or I, I, I promise, or I wouldn't lie about something like this. You ever heard that one? I wouldn't lie about something like this. Do you know what that means? You would lie about something. You would lie about something like what? Like what, what's the other thing that you might choose to lie about? If you have to say, I promise, if you have to say, I swear, if you have to say, I pinky swear, then all the other things that you don't say that about, they're up in the air. Is that what that means? That maybe or maybe not, those other things are true, but I promise this one's true. It's because they're sometimes not serious. So you have to say, oh, no, no, seriously. It's because sometimes what they say isn't true. What you say, what I say isn't true. We might lie about something else. You know what? If you don't lie, you don't have to say, hey, no, 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 seriously. If, if you don't lie, you don't have to say, oh, I pinky swear. This one's, this one's for real. If you don't lie, you don't have to cross your heart and stick a needle in your eye. Because why? Because your word yes is yes and your word no is no. So inconsistent speech where you are or maybe it's wavering, where maybe you're, and, and you might think, hey, Chad, I thought this was on to like commandment nine, but all of this is reflective of whether or not we are taking the Lord's name in vain. It's, it's in vain when we are inconsistent in what we present to others as truth. It defames the name of the Lord. And you say, well, how is that? I don't know if you, you know what, what one is called when they turn away from their sin and trust in Jesus, but they are called a Christian, right? You, you then carry the name of God in your title, Christian, little Christ. And for the people in Israel, they carried his name in their description, the Israelite people were the children of God, the people of God. And so when everybody else in the world saw them or heard the description of them, heard that these were the people of God, these were the children of God that God brought out of Egypt, these people who, who were all in one accord with God, that they were in relationship with them, they were his, his special called out people. And then when they became, were, were liars we had inconsistent speech. People looked at them and said, there's something not so great about your God because you can't even tell me the truth. When, when you do this that you're doing right now, Sunday after Sunday after Sunday, and I'm so glad that you do, but when everybody else knows that this is what you do, 
You gather together with the people of God. Why? Because you're a Christian. And so you say, I want to be a part of the church. I want to be a part of the family of God. And then on Monday, your speech is inconsistent. You, you find yourself fudging just a little bit here and there. Exaggerating. Making things where you have to say, no, seriously. Uh, no, no, like I, I pinky swear, I promise I wouldn't lie about something like this. You are defaming the name that you carry. It's inconsistent speech. The second type of speech is inopportune speech. Inopportune speech. This is when you use the name of God at what you think is an opportune time but in reality, it's not. You might not follow that quite yet, but I hope you will. This is when sometimes you might, uh, we'll call it baptizing your plans by claiming that God told you. Ever done that? You have a direction that you wanna go. And you haven't prayed about it. You haven't sought wise counsel. You haven't gone to God's word for it at all. But you, you want to have everybody else think that it is a holy matter. So you just say, well, God told me. The Lord declared to me. We, we used to call this playing the God card. Right? Maybe when you don't want to do something. This one is the way it would happen when I was uh, in high school. In high school, whenever uh, a Christian broke up with his girlfriend, he always would say things like, God, God told me I needed to break up with you. No, really, you just liked the other girl, Right? You just wanted to date somebody else or your friends were giving you a hard time because you weren't spending any time with them anymore. So you're like, I just got to cut off this relationship. But I should, I should tell them that God told me that we should break up. Maybe, maybe it's happened something like this uh, in, in your life group. You say things like, you know, I feel like the Lord is leading me to take this major pay decrease. It sounds a lot better than I got fired and had to find another job, right? right? So, so that's what we do. We, we try to baptize our statements and try to make them sound much better than they are because God led me to do this thing or God told me to do this thing. Maybe it is, maybe in our inopportune speech, it's when we say, let me pray about that so that we can blame God instead of just being honest. The answer is going to be no, but I'll tell you, I'm going to pray about it. So then in a few days after I haven't prayed about it and I tell, you no, you'll think that it was a, a spiritual decision for me. Uh, let me, let me pray about that. Let me consider, uh, yeah, let me talk to God about that. And then you purposely just wait a few days knowing that you haven't prayed about it to give the very same answer you would have given three days before so that you sound more spiritual than you are. This is, this is defaming the name of the Lord. 
trying to, to claim something about God that isn't true. Maybe it's even when you like add some biblical thoughts to a conversation to, to maybe add weight to something when it is unnecessary. It's like you're trying to make yourself sound more spiritual or more godly or more holy than you are. All of this is, is inopportune. It's, it's trying to make God uh, something in your life or in people around you in that he is not to you. Now, when it is, don't, don't, don't misunderstand what I'm saying, that I believe that the Lord speaks very clearly through his word and by his spirit to us. And I believe wholeheartedly that he can lead as we pray often, lead, guide, direct, right? Which basically all mean the same thing, but we want all of that from the Lord, that his word is a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our path. So don't misunderstand me. Don't, don't assume that you can no longer say the Lord is leading because the Lord does lead us and direct us. It's when, it's when we use it inappropriately that then it actually harms the time we use it appropriately. Does that make sense? Because now if, if the Lord is telling us all of the things, then is the Lord even telling us really anything? And by the way, the Lord is not telling you things that are in opposition to the things in his word. He never, ever will tell you something. So if you, you sense something in yourself that is, is saying you should go a direction that is different than what the word of God says, you can trust it's not the Lord. You ever had those feelings? Like, oh, I wonder if this is God or if this is me. It's you. Like, if, if, if it's against God's word in any way, shape, or form, it is not from God. So just know you don't have to wrestle with it any longer. Put it aside. Don't do it because it's not from God. It's just your sinful flesh. And don't, oh, by the way, that's me too. I'm not pointing at you as though that doesn't happen to me. That's called justification, right? When we justify in ourselves, we try to make things something from God when they are not. All of this inopportune speech. There's also inappropriate speech. This is the third type of speech. Inappropriate speech. This one, I will be very honest, is very challenging for me. This is when you call out sin while living in it. Matthew 15. These people honor me with their lips but their heart is far from me. In vain do they worship me, teaching as doctrines the commandments of men. I say it is difficult and challenging for me because I have this job, right? So I have the job that is Sunday after Sunday. And even as I think about it, like I've just called out sin in all of us before us in this very sermon, I preach every week. And every week, I seem to find myself convicted about something that gets preached, something that I'm going to have to say. And you guys live with it for, say, 30 or 40 minutes, right? Hearing it, at least. I live with it all the week long. I'm hearing it over and over. I'm writing it. I'm looking at it again and again. And I'm seeing it and seeing it again. 
And so I have no toes left. Right, the, the, the preaching that, that the word of God, when it steps on your toes and just know, mine are already curled up. But I don't think this type of speech is uh, impossible for you just because you aren't the preacher. We can all say or things say or think things like, uh, hey, don't be prejudiced unless the people don't look like you. Don't be liars unless you're in a really tough spot. Don't be adulterous unless you are lonely and your spouse doesn't meet your needs. Don't be selfish unless you've put yourself in debt. Don't miss church unless you're tired, right? Don't, don't we all do those things where we, we make bold, strong claims? We even give them to our children, our children's children. We, we speak this way at work or amongst our friends. And then it's like, oh, ah, like I really want to believe that thing. I really want to hold to that, but it's a little inconvenient today. That's something that kind of, I don't know, maybe next time. Right, all of us can do that. We can stand boldly beating the pulpit all the while living in the very same sin that we are condemning. And again, I'll confess to you that that is, uh, it's hard for me because I don't stand before you as a perfected uh, Christian, certainly one who is being sanctified, still in the process. Uh, I'm not to glorification yet. Man, do I have a long way to go, but I, I do hope that the Lord in his grace would allow me to continue to speak these truths while chiseling away, as we talked about last week, chiseling away the sin in my own life. And I can stand before you knowing that, okay, this week, he removed another thing. He pruned another thing. Cut off another. So there is inappropriate speech and there is informal speech. Informal speech, I would say, is, is probably the one most closely related to what you thought this sermon was going to be about not taking the Lord's name, not speaking the Lord's name as a cuss word in vanity, right? That's probably what you, it's what I certainly would have thought of even as I began to study this text. It's an idea that we would have appropriate reverence for the Lord, right? That we would fear the Lord enough that we wouldn't even dare speak his name with vile intent, and we wouldn't speak his name out of harshness toward someone else or even just out of anger. And so I, I, I was looking through some different passages that speak to this fear of the Lord. Psalm 2, serve the Lord with fear, rejoice, and tremble. Psalm 111, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. That's also in Proverbs. Psalm 112, praise the Lord. Blessed is the man who fears the Lord. 
and he delights in his commandments. Psalm 33, let all the earth fear the Lord, stand in awe of him. Right? This Lord, the one God, the creator and sustainer of the universe, the one who made the stars and the sky, made the earth and all that is in it, including you, making every intricate detail about you, knowing if you have black hair or gray hair or red hair or yellow hair or any or no hair, whatever it is that you have, God knows every bit of you. And here's, here's, here's one of the things Jen Wilkin pointed out. She said, we enjoy friendship and intimacy with Christ, but we do not share equality with him. He is not our peer. Right? Sometimes I think we forget that we have the marvelous gift of saying that we are a friend of God. It's unbelievable. But sometimes we forget in our friendliness with him that he is the King of kings and Lord of lords who sits on the throne in heaven and that the earth is his footstool and we are like grasshoppers to him. Right? You do not get to casually say, oh my God, because our God is not to be spoken of casually like this. You don't get to speak of God as simply the man upstairs like he is your roommate. I don't get to speak of God as though hearing from me, like when you hear from me, is just like hearing from God. I'm not that. This isn't how it works. We don't get to just speak of God with that sort of casual uh, attitude or demeanor about us. He is the perfect, righteous creator of all things. Holy, perfect in all his ways. Never doing wrong, never thinking wrong, never acting wrong. We are completely separated from him because of our sin, our works. We were born into sin. We act like sinners. We are sinners. We are separated from God because of his perfection and our total imperfection. So when our speech is informal, it is taking the Lord's name in vain. And so that leads to the fifth type of speech, which is innocent speech. This is one I want to highlight as the right kind of speech. This kind of speech is the only kind that does not, in in these six that I will list, that does not take his name. This innocent speech is a speech that acknowledges that salvation comes from no other name but the name of Jesus Christ. Innocent speech is a speech that says Jesus is Lord. Innocent speech is a speech that looks to the king of all creation, this one who is so separated from us, and says, Jesus, I need you. I need you to rescue me and save me. 
This is why Philippians 2 says, therefore God has exalted him and bestowed on him the name that is above every other name so that the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God, the father. This is the good news that although we are separated completely from his perfection because of our imperfection, that because of Jesus, because of the one who came and died and took our penalty for us, substituted his life and his death for us, that we, by turning away from our sin and trusting in him, can have everlasting life because of the name of Jesus. This is innocent speech. This is speech that speaks of him as though he is who he says he is. And guess what, ladies and gentlemen? Every knee will bow and acknowledge Jesus as Lord. Every tongue will confess. You you will worship him. You will give him the glory that is due his name. The question is not when, uh, if you will, it's when will you do it? Will you bow your knee today? Will you surrender yourself over to the one who is King of Kings and Lord of Lords, or will you wait until it is too late? Because you don't know what tomorrow holds. You don't know what this afternoon holds. But you can, even right where you sit, you can turn from your sin and trust in Jesus. You can call on the one who has made a way for you. So I'm asking, would you offer innocent speech to him today? The final type of speech I would like to point to is what I'm calling insufficient speech. Insufficient speech is is not making enough of God, right? For those of us who, who carry his name, we are Christians. Those of us who are children of God, those of us who are in the family of God, those of us who would say he is worthy for us to give our life to him, then when we are not giving him our life then our speech is insufficient, right? We're, we're not giving enough. We're not sold out to him in that way. If salvation really does really come by his name and we know his name and don't share it, we are being insufficient in our work. See, it's not that his name is insufficient, right? We already acknowledge that, that it is his name and his name alone that brings about salvation. It's that our work to get his name to all those in the world who don't know his name, our work is insufficient when we are silent. You see, the gospel is not insufficient, but our efforts to make the gospel known is often insufficient you know how I know that, I, that it's insufficient? Because 
there is an estimated between three and four billion people in the world today who have no access to the gospel. In a world that has approximately eight billion people that somewhere between 40 and 50% of the world that have no access to the name of Jesus. There are still some 7,000 languages without a Bible, without the name of the Lord in their language, the word of the Lord being able to be given to them in their language. What about your coworkers and your neighbors? By definition, they have access to the gospel because you are their neighbor. <laughs> you are their coworker. You are their access to the gospel. So I, you are going to continue to hear from me that we should make sure that Christ's name is known in all the earth. But I want, I want to be abundantly clear. Just because you don't go to the farthest parts of the world doesn't mean that in your neighborhood, you're off the hook. That in your workplace, you're off the hook. That in our community, that we're off the hook. No, you, you are responsible as a follower of Christ to speak the name of Jesus to those who do not know him. I wanna be abundantly clear this job is for men and women who are called to make disciples as they seek to share the gospel and teach others how to follow Christ. This isn't just left to me as the, the pastor, the elder in the church. It's not just for us men who say, okay, we're, we're elders, we're, we're teachers here, and so we're, we're, we have that job. No, 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 no. This is for all of you followers of Christ, men and women, boys and girls. If you know Jesus as Lord and Savior, then you know enough to tell someone else how to know Jesus as Lord and Savior. You've got it. And so don't let your speech be insufficient for those who do not know. You want to know how to glorify his name? You want to know how to make much of his name? Share his name. Don't just come in this room and sing of his name and sing that his name is powerful and that his name is beautiful. And we want to uh, like rejoice and exalt in his name and then walk out of here and close your mouth. No, oh, give people the way. Give them Jesus, the one who does save. We wanna be a people who do not take the Lord's name in vain. It's so much more than just not cussing, right? It's honoring the name of Jesus. All that we say and all that we do in our songs, in our giving, in our evangelism, in our parenting, 
all of these. And so maybe it is today that for you, it is the day of salvation. Maybe today is the day that you are to call on the name of the Lord to save you. In fact, in just a minute, when we stand to sing, there will be some here who would love to talk to you about that, answer questions you may have, pray with you, go to God's word with you. Maybe for you, as you heard some of those types of speech, maybe you know that some of those were for you, like they were for me. They brought conviction from the Holy Spirit. And and so during this time, maybe you just need to confess your sin before God. Confess your silence or your lying tongue, whatever it might be. Ask God to cleanse you from all unrighteousness. For all of us, we are called to respond when we hear the word of God. So maybe, maybe your response this morning is simply to give the Lord the praise he deserves. So would you stand with me as we give him pure exaltation?